Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. You're listening to Coast to Coast AM. Hello, I'm Connie Willis. How are you doing? Please catch me on my show at ConnieWillis.com. You can find out where's Willis, ConnieWillis.com. Tonight we've got some fun tonight, right? Open lines coming up later. Looking forward to that. Hope that some of you have some spooky stories or something interesting, something we've never heard about before, ever. Some encounter we've never heard about before. If that sounds like you, I want to hear from you tonight on Open Lines. Coming up, uh, though, as our guest tonight, we've uh, we've got two together. That's kind of rare to do. Uh, two together that even look exactly alike and have a whole lot of things uh, in common. They are the Kinsella Twins. They are psychic, and they've had a lot of interesting things happen. It's Philip and, uh, Philip and Ronnie. They're both clairvoyant mediums, UFO investigators and authors. Um, Philip has had many bizarre UFO paranormal experiences throughout his life, along with his, like I said, identical twin brother, Ronald, or Ronnie. He began to research the uh, phenomenon. This is Philip on a serious level investigations after an alien abduction in 1989. It led him to writing several books. His brother, I mean, they just have to kind of be a part of the same thing along the way. And they have, they're going to be talking about that tonight. They have an incredible history behind them. And both of them together co-host a radio program for the Paranormal UK radio called Twin Souls. So if I'm sure you've heard of them before. I know they are huge. And uh, so here they are for the first time here on Coast to Coast. They've uh, interviewed many people along the way authors, other authors, and other experiencers and investigators on all topics of the bizarre. And in fact, um, one of their UFO experiences that they've had themselves has been caught on camera. And uh, we're going to ask them about that too. So now they get to make their debut first time on Coast to Coast. So Kinsella Twins, welcome to Coast to Coast AM, Philip and Ronnie. Hello, Connie. This is Philip. Uh, delighted to be on your program. Thank you very much. Hello, Connie. This is Ronnie. Delighted. <laughs> I'm so glad that you guys know to do that and will be doing that all night. I appreciate it. <laughs> These are two of the nicest people you'll ever meet, first of all. Not just talented with their abilities and not just, you know, full of great uh, stories, encounters, things like that, uh, and a great deal of knowledge, but um, uh, just super guy. Now, so I got to ask something, and uh, this is probably the most important question of all. Are you both, are you twin abductees, twin contactees, or twin experiencers? Well, um, this is Philip. I would say really that we were twin abductees, and um, we recall one each, um, Ronnie's was in 1982, and mine had been in 1989, what I recall of the events very clearly. So that's, I think, how you would label us. Okay, because you know the difference, right? Yes, we do indeed know the difference. Okay. Um, there okay. may have been some other experiences, but uh, as I said, you know, we deal with facts and um, as they come about. So if we have no memory of that, we can't talk about Right. That. I gotcha. I gotcha. I like that. And that's what I respect about you guys. Absolutely. So um, is there anything else you want to tell about yourself before we get into some of your great stories? Because I want to make sure, I mean, you have quite a background, both of you. 
Yeah, I mean, this is Philip again. It, it wasn't intentional in any way or form. It wasn't like I wanted to go into the UFO subject or the subject of the paranormal. But with myself and my brother, um, it was almost, uh, you know, trying to find out the truth of what was going on. And we wanted to find out whether or not, first of all, as strange as it may seem, that we were lying or the system that we serve was lying. And I, I bet you can, you know, work out who we thought was lying. <laughs> Ronnie. Yeah, I'm also, this is Ronnie, I'm also an artist. Um, and it strangely boded well with uh, what happened when we were brave enough to come out with it. Because uh, adopting it, the art, I'm able to portray these uh, creatures that people have allegedly seen or experienced. So that has helped me enormously, especially with the promotion, you know, with the greys and the reptilians and things like that. I love it. I love the, the art as well. So I'm, I'm quite artistic. You are. I've seen your art. If you guys go to their website, oh my goodness. I mean, that's amazing, amazing art. I know uh, you, you've done that with the computer I don't know how that works, but the people I know that do it that way are usually extremely intelligent, but I've heard it takes a while to be able to master that skill as well. Is that correct? That's right. It took me seven years because I, I worked oh. traditional, you know, traditional paints, and this may make you laugh. Um, we're both colorblind, partially colorblind, so... <laughs> Uh, with the technology that we now use to uh, create these images or these aliens and spaceships and things is that it has a set color wheel, which is good for me because once when I painted in a traditional sense, I um, painted a green horse and thought it was brown. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I won't ask you any colors, how to describe anything, just the shapes. <laughs> okay, we'll go that way. You can uh, find... Uh, his art and everything else that they have at the Kinsella twins.com. Um, can you, uh, well, you know, you, you did mention a second ago, you said when we were brave enough to come out with it, when were you brave enough to come out with all this? Um, this is Philip. I mean, it was in, uh, in the late, um, two thousands, after I had my initial abduction in the winter of 1989, um, I thought I was going mad. And the phenomena itself occurred on a, on a principle that was partly physical and partly non-physical. Um, and this, this is something that I wanted to look into, you know, and it, it had been with what we call the greys. And interestingly, I wanted to find out how I was able to, to go through solid matter and this is what led me into a further avenue of research and, and also dealing with certain theoretical models of what we may be dealing with. But I joined a group, a local UFO group, um, some years later, and um, I didn't realize there were groups out there. And, you know, a lot of the descriptions that people were talking about were similar to mine. But I always thought the, the experience happened on a physical level of integration. And so this is how I wanted to go forward with the research and to really truly establish what we are dealing with. And um, Ronnie will explain how he uh, felt strong enough to come forward with his uh, experience. Yes, this is Ronnie. <laughs> um, uh, I think I came out with mine uh, just before 2010. Um, it's when I had seen one of these triangular ships. Um, and that did it for me. I thought I have to get this down into a book form. So... 
in 2010, I began writing this book, and then it was published in 2012. That was ironically called Twin Souls um, by Capelban. It's out of print now, but uh, that's when I initially came out with this because after seeing them, you know when you just have had enough, you think, I've got to, you've got to tell the people. And when in doing so, I found that this was very common, that we weren't thankfully the only ones. There are hundreds of thousands of people Fortunately, they have seen these, and I say fortunately because it makes you feel a bit closer to home and not an outcast. Yeah, I agree. So the 1989 abduction that you guys are talking about, let's go to that. Can you tell us about that encounter? Yes, Connie, I can. This is Philip. Um, Although Ronnie's experience happened uh, some years before in 1982, but the 1989 event I had come home from work. We lived in a small village called Marston Moor Tain, uh, which is five miles outside of Bedfordshire. And I used to commute by train. I mean, I drive, but I, I used to commute by train. And on this particular night, I walked into the house. There was me, my brother, my sister, and our dog. We had a dog called Benji. And bearing in mind the house was um, mostly glass to the front of the, the house and the doors to the kitchen were glass as well, and there's a reason why I have to state the glass. Yes, I, walk- I agree. Yeah, <clears throat> I walked into the kitchen and I laid back against the um, sideboard, so I had a view- full view of the hall and the glass, and the dog was laying in front of me. And we were just talking about general chit-chat. This was roughly around about, it would have been about quarter past seven at night, and it was dark, and we had the lights on, obviously, and then the atmosphere began to change within the, the, the area that we were in. And my brother was standing in front of me, but away from the hall, because he was in the kitchen diner area. And all of a sudden, my brother went into some kind of trance. Um, it sounds crazy, but this is exactly mm. what happened. He froze, and then he lifted his head up towards the ceiling, and he said, there's going to be an earthquake, or grandma's going to die. Now, there was no earthquake, and our grandmother was still very much alive. And immediately as he said that, my attention was drawn through to the hall, uh, through the the glass doors to the hall, and there was this light that came up very quickly, and uh, it was a white light. I mean, I'm colorblind, but I get mixed up with browns and greens. But it was this white light that came up very quickly and started to flood the glass in the front of the door. And at this point, the dog started to go mad and barking uh, profusely, and the only way I can describe it um, was that the glass was moving backwards and forwards as though it's becoming pliable, almost like one of those cartoon uh, scenes of uh, something bending. And then immediately I saw this very small being. It was about three foot high. It was very thin. It wore what I thought was a, a helmet on its head, but it was all clad in black, complete black. And as it came through the glass, the light dispersed and then it ran through my brother and I had a downstairs study stroke bedroom and it uh, on the ground floor and it ran shot in there and I had become paralyzed with fear um my brother snapped out of his trance the dog was going absolutely crazy and I reached behind me to get a, a knife from a drawer and I said there's an intruder in the house and then I yelled there's an intruder in the house and we couldn't find this intruder that was the first part to the experience. Um, in the early hours of that morning, um, I awoke to find myself 
uh, on my back, floating three feet off the floor in the same position in the hall of where this being came from. Um, and shocked, I awoke and couldn't move, although I was fully conscious. Um, and I felt myself being dragged through the house by some un invisible force and being drawn through the glass. And I kept thinking, well, how am I able to pass through doors? I'm going through the kitchen door and then being dragged very slowly through to the conservatory glass doors out the back because we had quite a big garden. And I kept thinking, what has a hold of me? I need to, I need to break this. I can't get out of this. Now, most people assume this is sleep paraly paralysis. But this was anything but. Um, if I can explain that on this uh, level of conscious awareness, um, I was in full control, but I could not move. So my thoughts weren't being, you know, in any way adjusted. I thought how fascinating it was to go through glass, but I, I went with the experience. And as I came out uh, through the conservatory glass doors, my mind's thinking, how am I able to pass through solid matter? This is not possible. How can this happen? And immediately, uh, when I was outside, um, three foot on my back, I was arched round, and I could see in the sky hundreds of UFOs just moving uh, very quickly through the sky. And I'm thinking, my goodness, they're real. They are real. But there was one object that wasn't moving, and it was a circular a disc-shaped a disc object that was seemed to be a silver dark grey, and it wasn't moving. It was just stationary in the sky, seemed quite large. And as soon as I focused upon it, I felt myself being lifted up. You know that feeling you get when you're on a roller coaster and you take that dip down? Um, uh, but I was upsy daisy, up. we call that. Yeah. <laughs> An upsy daisy. <laughs> yeah. And I was being drawn then, pulled towards this object very fast, and then I blacked out. And it is the next part of the experience. There's two more parts that were very disturbing. And um, I, I must have blacked out. And the next thing I recall was that I found myself in some kind of medical environment. It was a bit dingy. It uh, was very hot. And I found myself naked. And this is where I suffered within the media channels um, for being honest and open and, and telling the truth. Um, because the media, as we know, take a different stance to the subject matter. When I found myself in this uh, room, I was on a bed, and I was strapped to the bed, but I was naked. And when I turned to my right, uh, there were what I can only describe as, um, as ridiculous as, as it sounds, was three reptilians that, that didn't communicate, but they were in this kind of uh, thicker mist. And they were moving backwards and forwards in this strange gate. And I was absolutely horrified, even more so when I found that there seemed to be some kind of foreign implement that had been placed in the, in, the under the lower part of my uh, region, if I can say that. And this mm -hmm. horror came into a new area, a new dimension of reality. I was absolutely petrified and I started to scream and yell, I wanted them to take it out of me. But these beings, whatever they were, they had no compassion, no love, no sense of empathy at all. I just wanted this thing out of me because it felt organic within the lower part of my anatomy. And eventually, I saw this, what I can only describe was a small gray coming forward from this corridor that was ahead of me or around the corner. And as it appeared, the device that was inside me was slowly retracted and the straps came off and I noticed that the three reptilians or what I assumed were reptilians had gone they just disappeared and this gray ordered me to dress 
and I was thankful into my uh, night clothes, and I was to follow it through this corridor. It, the communication was achieved through some kind of thought transference, although people say, what does that sound like? But the only way I can describe it is it's like just a knowing and being told in your head. So I had to follow it. And I followed it to the what I thought was a wall. Um, and the wall turned into a door that opened and the grave's just looking at me saying, get out, you know, we want you out. And I'm like, I can see the village from a great height. It's now going into the early hours of the morning. And I can see outside another smaller craft that's hovering by the conservatory because we're quite way up where we are. And I'm thinking, this is incredible. I just want to get home and I feel violated. I was annoyed and angry. And then I found myself being pushed out. I don't know what pushed me out. There was a force that pushed me out of this hatch or this door. And as I came down to the ground, there were two other greys on either side of me where I floated, thinking, oh, my goodness, I can fly. It's, it's incredible that I can float and fly. This feeling was going through my head. But at the same token, not being able to look at the two greys beside me on either side. And I thought that was very strange because I'd seen the one up there. And as I came down to the ground, this was the, the last part of the experience. These two greys beside me had taken off, and in front of me was uh, another grey. And he was standing underneath this small object that I'd seen from aboard the ship. And his arms were folded across his chest. He looked more humanized, if I can say that. Uh, still having the pronounced features of his face large eyes. He was in a one-piece uniform. He wore um, knee-length boots, knee-high boots, sorry. And he was looking at me real mad, real, real mad. And I felt that. I felt like he, like I'd been punched inside. And as I looked at him, there was some kind of familiarity. I can't remember from where or what, what period within my life, but he seemed familiar. And I'm like, you're angry with me. I want to punch you. I've just been you know, had the most uh, incredible experience and traumatic experience, and you're looking at me mad. So I thought, I need to ask you a question. I need to ask him a question. I said to him, how on earth am I able to get through solid matter? I thought that if he could tell me, I'd have the secret to this, and people would understand what happened. Well, no sooner had I said that, when he looked confused, and he opened his mouth in slow motion, he raised his head to the underneath of his craft, and the only way I can explain it was he started to speak like a voice synthesizer from an old ZX-81 we used to have, very mechanical, very robotic, that came out as garble. And then I saw myself crashing through the conservatory glass doors, then going through the kitchen doors, through the hall, and to the downstairs study stroke bedroom, and slam, I came into my body. And as soon as I did, as soon as I did that, I had a nosebleed and I had to go and sort myself out. I had some physical um, marks afterwards the next day. Um, my brother found three triangular red marks behind my right ear and three marks on my right arm. And also I had profuse nosebleeds to the right nostril. And these stopped after two years. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.